to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. I'm Derek, and I'm here to ask the real questions like, aren't Bigfoot hunters just really passionate foot fetishists? Oh my gosh. And I am joined, as always, by the ineffable Heavenly. You d- you did done and did it. Now the Bigfoot guys are foot guys. They are squatching for toesies. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, so, Heavenly, I, I'm, I'm so glad to be back again. Um, so, so glad to be chatting with you again about monsters. It's always, it's always a good day for monster chatting. Always a good day for monster chatting. Um, very actually, foggy here in the Pacific Northwest. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So it feels, it feels very good. Um, I tried to take some nice aesthetic photos this morning and they didn't turn out, but, uh, so this is my way of, of telling people that it was foggy cause I need the validation. Now, I got to ask you, in your photos, did you happen to capture the elusive Pacific Northwest tree octopus? No, no, I think those, I think those are a little outside of Portland. I don't know that Portland are is they? Okay. where they're, they're looking to go. There's a lot of horns, you know, from cars and stuff. That's true. It does, it does upset the octopus. Um, well, the oct- actually. The octopussies. Yes, yes, the, the, uh, or no. Or, Do you, or no. I, I heard I heard what I think was a man being executed live on NPR, and he said he said you know platypus and I don't remember the order I don't remember if it's Latin versus Greek Greek versus Latin but he said you know platypus is Greek and because of that instead of the Latin platypi it's the Greek platypussies and then the <laughs> And then the, the broadcast immediately ended, and they played this, like, really weird jaunty tune. And I was like, I think that man was just killed live on air for saying pussies. <laughs> we were able to assassinate this man thanks to your public funding here at... But they didn't get him in time. He was able to say platypussies. Like, you could, I could almost tell. I, I feel like I could picture it. Of the poor woman who was interviewing him, like, realizing a second too late where he was going with the joke. <laughs> oh, man. You know, to be fair, he, he, he had, a, he pronounced it poorly, but he had a point. The plural of octopus and platypus is octopuses. Platypuses, not octopi. So, so there, you, you, you learn something. But, yeah, if you had that extra E sound. You're going to get kicked off public radio pretty I, that's, quick. I mean, that's how I've always said it. I've always said octopussies, platypussies. I refuse to change my way. You should be in jail. <laughs> I wrote, um, I did a, a little dissertation on octop- octopussies mm-hmm, once, mm-hmm. and I said it like that, and my professor was like, will you stop? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you an A if you stop. I was like, you can't silence me. <laughs> <laughs> can't silence the truth. Well, the reason I bring up the Pacific Northwest tree octopus is because it's a well-known hoax. And, heavenly, April Fool's, I think this episode's coming out near April 1st, not exactly on, because we actually skipped right over it. I wanted to bring you some April Fool's for, Ooh, for this week. I love so that. So we're, we're going to talk about some hoaxes. Clever. So, so we're going to be talking about some monsters that have been proven to not exist, but maybe still do. Probably don't. Okay. Some of them definitely don't. Okay. But but we're gonna we're gonna pretend that they are because that's the fun of monsters. Okay. Question so, for you. Yeah. If I know them, I think this might be a good time to just kind of set up set up a precedent. If I know them, and vice versa, if you were to know one of the monsters I'm talking about, do you sure. think we should wait until the end, or should we ask right when that bachelor bachelorette singleton is being presented to us? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think I'll. I'll I'm not sure if this ever happened on like those old dating games. But, like if you, if one of she'd the... be like, "Is that Chad? <laughs> Chad, <laughs> is that you?" <laughs> so, so yeah, I would say shout it out because because then the monsters would be like, "Heavenly, oh, it's you." They're like, okay. "All monsters sound like Cookie Monster." Apparently. Okay. Because yeah. on the because so, yeah. on the last episode, I guessed one of the monsters that you presented to me, and I kind of just blurted it out. And I was thinking, maybe I should have waited until the very end. 
No, no, it's all, it, it is absolutely good. There, I, there's going to be at least a couple I'm pretty sure you're not going to know. I, I try to always grab a little bit from the obscure and a little bit from the well-known because, yeah. you know, it's nice to have that, that sense of comfort. So, mm. so yeah, a couple of these you, you very well might know. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I want to talk about hoaxes a little bit first because right. hoaxes, I mean, they go hand in hand with, with monsters, especially cryptozoology. Um, you know, it's kind of the other side of the coin where cryptozoology seeks out to find these these mysterious beasts and creatures. Uh, you know, hoaxes are the the people who are discrediting. I mean, they're, it, it, there's, there's kind of, there, there's a couple of, of, it's like a double-edged sword in a way um, because you have these people who, who create these hoaxes. Like the surgeon's photo. Everybody knows the surgeon's photo, which is the, the famous photo of the Loch Ness Monster that you see in every fucking book out there about sea monsters or Nessie. There's that, that photo of the head coming out of the water, and it was, you know, it was the photo of, of Nessie for, for decades. And then on the guy's deathbed, it comes out that it's, it was a hoax. It was, his son in, it was a toy submarine that belonged to his son-in-law. Yeah, it was Robert Kenneth Wilson. He was a gynecologist who took that photo. And, and you know, for years and years, people were like, oh, the photo's fake. And then turns out it was. But at the same time, that helped bring the story of Nessie to, to the modern world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you got this popularity for the monster. But in the end, did it do more damage than it did help? You know, and then there's, there's other hoaxes, like, that are, are obvious. You know, they're, they're made as jokes and they're, they're taken as jokes. Like, well, the Northwest uh, tree octopus or the fur-bearing trout. Uh, you know, the jackalope. Very, very clear, never claimed to be real. Wink, wink. Oh, they're real. Yeah, I, you, you kind of have to wonder about these, um, the people that perpetrate these hoaxes, even if it's done with the intention of, oh, I'm trying to bring attention to this monster. Does it do more, more damage than, than it actually helps? Right. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you might actually know the name Rick Dyer, um, who is a massive asshole. Uh, he's like, he's the most infamous Bigfoot hoaxer in the world. He's perpetrated two massive Bigfoot hoaxes. And the most recent one, I think it was in 2008 and 2012. I like that you used the word perpetrated. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I, I say perpetrated because he actually has been arrested for fraud a couple of times. Like, like this tax is just, fraud? Uh, I think it was eBay fraud. eBay fraud. Yeah, which is like that's the thing. You, if you, um, I guess, say what you're selling isn't what it actually is, or you cheat people out of money. But yeah, I mean, he was the one that had the the Bigfoot in the freezer. You know, oh, I shot a right. Bigfoot. And it was yeah, it was a monkey outfit with like pig guts in it. You know, Gross. there's Balloon Boy. Everybody. Oh, Balloon right. Boy. Balloon Boy. Yeah, poor Balloon Boy. He was in that attic the whole time. <sighs> yeah, I like how he's known as Balloon Boy, even though I'm sure he had nothing to do with that hoax. <laughs> He was literally just a child. <laughs> just, yeah, and, but you know, it also it, all these hoaxes—they um, call into question, you know, perhaps real evidence. Like even the Patterson Gimlin film has been questioned. I mean, it's it's been questioned forever. You you have all these different scientists and FBI agents and everybody else who like analyze this film and go, "Oh no, that Bigfoot has boobies. They wouldn't have done that with a costume, and it it walks in a certain way that a human can't, and all this kind of stuff." Wouldn't but, they have done it with a costume though? Think about it, guys. They put boobies on everything. I'm pretty <laughs> sure someone would put boobies on a Bigfoot costume. We we established Bigfoot hunters are into toes. Yeah. Yeah, but no, there's even there's even popular um, hoaxes like the you remember the Animal Planet uh, mermaid documentary, mermaid the body found. Did you watch that? Was it about the the Fiji mermaid? No. Um, oh, we need to watch this. It's it was an actual like several episode mini series about it was a mockumentary essentially about on Animal Planet where they had supposedly found the body of a sapien fish person, a, a mermaid, and then every episode kind of delves into the evolution and existence of these mer people from from where they split from what would become Homo sapien, that they were... Ah. Yeah. Because that, that's a popular theory about Homo sapien and why people are, are upright apes, essentially, is that we were, um, we, were we evolved from oceanside apes and that walking in the surf eventually caused uh, the evolutionary benefit of being to walk upright and bend over into the waters so that we didn't drown and the, the the theory that animal planet was going to was that while you know 
half of us walked upright, the other half just went further into the water and got fins and gills and shit. <laughs> the other half was like, these guys are fucking weird. <laughs> there are dinosaurs. Not interested. Yeah, that, that holds up evolutionarily. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, there is one scene that does stick with me from that from that mockumentary. And this was uh, this was a mockumentary. It got really famous because Kim Kardashian, I remember at the time, tweeted about it. And went like, wow, I never knew, like, mermaids were real. And she got a bunch of shit for that. But I remember there was one scene where it's describing these um, these prehistory mermaids. And they had to go over this chasm where apparently a megalodon was. And it was like this, this school of people, And one of them knew that, like, the elder had to take the sacrifice. So they, like, pulled a, a knife from their person belt and, like, cut their chest so that they would bleed in the water. And then this megalodon just comes up from the black and just, like, snatches them and pulls them back down while all the others can swim to safety. And that... That stuck with me. Damn, that's deep. Yeah. yeah, in several ways. Wow. Yeah. So mermaids have a sense of altruism. Apparently, yeah. They, they have a sense of civilization and culture that, that we never knew. They, they were not sexy, I, I should say that. They, um, these, well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to kink shame if, if the <laughs> Animal Planet doc- documentary mer people were your thing. But they didn't look like the Little Mermaid. No, they were they were very blue and very big eyes, kind of striped, kind of um, uh, shape of water, but with like a tail. Okay, well, we know a lot of people liked the shape of water, so that's that's a good point. That's true. Yeah, I got that Abe Sapien thing going for you. Uh, I will say that I've always had a theory about mermaids that um, I stand by to this day and it's always made people particularly men really angry i remember i (laughs) i mentioned this to a man once and he legitimately yelled at me mermaid mermaids are fat so they live in the waters and it's cold so they have to have deposits of blubber mermaids are not skinny little bitches no that that has to hold up if you look at any other yeah any uh, other mammal under the water they're full of blubber full of blubber mermaids are fat you cannot take that that fact away from me. Men, just relax. <laughs> well, even if you take the theory that mermaids were just, um, you know, really horny sailors seeing manatees, manatees ain't skinny. No, they are not. sea cows. They are. They are. They are thick. Yeah, they they are. <laughs> There's our, our sidebar about mermaids. Um, tell us your theories about mermaids. So let's get into our, our singletons. Um, you, you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet your, your bachelors and bachelorettes? I'm ready. All right. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, genderless singleton, number one, the gender non-determined. It's June 1959. You're in the woodlands of central Florida, about 40 miles north of Tampa. It's, it's you know, it's damp. It's uh, hot, I guess. People start seeing this giant creature in the brush. It's about nine feet tall, mm. has like a skeletal face Ooh. with glowing eyes, mm. and it moves actually pretty swiftly through the brush. Uh, so, of course, it's Florida. It, it, it's almost 1960. People go searching for it with guns. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. yeah. Some people say they shot at it, but no bodies ever brought forth. You know, people say they keep seeing it, but, you know, no, no actual evidence. So the newspapers actually like start coming in from all over and they start interviewing the locals and they start getting this this name repeated to them and and they keep hearing you need to talk to mrs peggy thomas mrs peggy thomas knows about this monster and so the newspapers start coming to her door and almost immediately peggy cracks and goes oh yeah i made this monster peggy come on apparently peggy got really bored on a camping trip once and How old she was made, Peggy? I think Peggy was in like her forties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Peggy's Peggy's midlife. Maybe this is her midlife crisis. Maybe she was just having fun. I don't know. But yeah, she she showed the papers her creature, which uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop over to your Discord right now. So this thing has. Uh, she made it from two pine trees, two small pine trees that she tied together, and then she put a sheet over top of that. Very very ghosty. I would say, 
Um, and then after that, she put a cow skull on top, put a flashlight inside the cranium so the eyes would glow, okay. and then just put a little moss on top of that wow. just for uh, for added effect. So so Peggy actually, I mean, she took pride in her work. That's crafty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's Peggy standing next to her creation, which, um, you know, in, in the light of, of photography, doesn't really hold up. But no. uh, I guess... People were pretty bored. Did she, how did but, she get it to move? That's a great question. Uh, she actually tied rope between trees and used fishing line to pull it back and forth. I oh, mean, she was Peggy pretty... was feeling some kind of way that day. <laughs> there was a level of boredom that uh, that this country hasn't seen for a long time. <laughs> But I mean, it's very industrious. She, she. I mean, she. She said she was very pleased that she had fooled her family and the entire town, and actually as many people as she did. She took a lot of pride in it. I mean, she should because that is impressive, and that was literally the point. Uh, so, <laughs> good job, Peggy. You did it. You fooled them. You got him. You got him you good. You spooked them. You spooked them. You fooled them, and hopefully, one person maybe got a little erection. <laughs> discovered something about themselves. Oh that no. Day. Oh, there's one man out there with a shot going, just going, oh, big monster, I love you. <laughs> but kind of the funny thing about this is this is the same area where the skunk ape is, is commonly seen, but sightings of the skunk ape didn't happen until uh, 1962. So, so Peggy actually predated giant monster sightings in her, if, if you consider Bigfoot to be a, a giant monster. Right. Yeah. So, so good for Peggy. Wow. Yeah. Our next singleton is going to take us to northern Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to go to the quiet lumber town of Rhinelander, uh, which you might guess has a big German population. So this is a creature that has become pretty famous, and you, you actually might know this one. Locals claim that the creature actually predates the noted discovery that, that is marked in the newspapers, um, and actually might have been... Uh, recorded by the Ojibwe tribes as the water panther Mishipeshu. Uh, but the, the first, like, Western culture recording uh, was in 1893, where newspapers report on the discovery of a strange chimeric beast. It has the head of a frog and the grinning face of a giant elephant with thick, short legs set off by huge claws, the back of a dinosaur, and a long tail with spears on the end. And uh, there's actually a little bit more description because this monster has become pretty famous in the area and actually has its own website. So the, its personal website lists some additional features. Uh, it says that, among other things, uh, that the late summer sunset stole its color from this monster's eyes, which I think is it's very nice. Uh, the spikes on its tail make for perfect marshmallow roasting. Mm. Uh, its tears make for the best lemonade in existence. However, this monster never cries. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and if it tilts its head, it can pick up the radio broadcast for any Milwaukee Brewers game, but the broadcast is a little fuzzy. It doesn't come through super clear. Uh, the monster's an excellent golfer, uh, and he never has to buy golf balls because he just collects all the ones that get hit into the woods. And he smells exactly like a pine uh, car air freshener. Okay, so he smells nice. It sm he's, yeah, it smells like a new car. He was first spotted Yep was first spotted by a prominent land surveyor and timber cruiser and prankster, not that that should matter, uh, Eugene Shepard. Eugene Jean Shepard. Mm. Shepard uh, supposedly rounded a posse that were able to destroy one of the animals by using dynamite. Uh, they actually lured the creature from its cave. They uh, He hired a bunch of bear wrestlers to attach... Uh, a rag with chloroform to a pole and stick it into the monster's cave and then knocked it out and then they just threw a bunch of dynamite at it and apparently yeah it didn't like destroy it it charred it enough kind of like cooked it from the outside but people say that wasn't the only one but apparently this this particular creature was uh displayed at the local fair um however when the smithsonian um came knocking uh he quickly admitted that it was a, a really bad hoax but there's still others that say that this creature might be extinct, it might not. The people that say that it's extinct uh, is are the ones that say that its food source isn't enough to, to support uh, the creatures in the area. Uh, its food source is um, all-white bulldogs. 
Yeah. Uh, but there's others that say that it doesn't, it only eats all white bulldogs only on Sundays. Mm. And it actually will eat, you know, mud turtles and snakes, but it really likes a good fish fry with potato pancakes. Who doesn't? That, that, is, that is its favorite meal. Who doesn't? Exactly. So yeah, it's it's featured in several Paul Bunyan stories, and it's become a local mascot for teams. Uh, there's a big statue of the creature in front of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it appeared on an episode of Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated. Wow. Uh, a replica of the creature was given to JFK during a visit, and was said to have inspired his inaugural address. And uh, it was once on the third string for the Green Bay Packers in 1967. And uh, actually, most recently, in 2009, it was noted for raising a prize-winning goat at the state fair. Wow, it's doing so good. It's got a lot of stuff going for it. It's doing well. It's thriving. It's living its best life. That's right. So you actually, like I said, you might know this one. So if if you do... I don't actually know that I do. Okay. I I will save... Nothing's coming to me. I will save photos of this one for for last because you might have actually seen the photos on this. Okay. Singleton number three... This one is, is interesting. This is a woman. We're, I'm, I'm kind of stretching the boundaries of, of what we consider a monster or a cryptid. She, she definitely would be considered a paranormal entity. Mm. Um, she's a woman with a superpower, a, a single superpower. And um, I do want to put a content warning um, out for everyone, and actually especially you, Heavenly, because I know that uh, from previous episodes you've mentioned um, a bit of um, a phobia around pregnancy and birth but yeah yeah true. this this focuses a lot on that uh in a, in a really weird way so if if that is um if that's something you're concerned about i apologize maybe just skip ahead a little bit so we're going to uh cross the atlantic now to uh england it's 1726 so we're going back in time too oh my gosh is this the woman who gives birth to rabbits yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, go. I was like, there's really only one story I can think of that involves a lot of really weird births. Yeah, this is that one. Oh boy. So it, yeah, it's 1726. It's uh, Godalming, Surrey, or or Godalming. I I don't know how to pronounce it. I I found several videos that were all just people walking around the town while never saying it out loud, which is super helpful. So a woman apparently developed uh, supernatural powers. You kind of, you hit it on the head there. She was, this is Mary Toft. We might as well just just say her name and give her credit where credit is due. Uh, She is described by many as being a short and stocky woman with a sullen temper who was beset upon by both literacy and poverty. Uh, And she was a mother of at least four, potentially more, as as we'll get to, four humans. Yeah, four humans to start out with. It was it was after the birth of her fourth child that um, she she started having something weird happen to her. So, uh, 1726, um, she claims to become pregnant again. Pretty normal so far. But sadly, she miscarried this time. And uh, the the kind of details around her miscarriage are, are odd because she claims that it happened after she saw a rabbit outside her window Mm -hmm. and became overly fascinated. There was something about this rabbit that she couldn't get out of her head. She tried chasing it down, wasn't able to catch it. But for like days after that, even weeks, all she could, all she claimed to eat was rabbit, rabbit stew, rabbit haunches. She, she couldn't get enough of it. And then she miscarried, but during the process of her miscarriage, she pulled out some pieces that weren't human she pulled out some stuff that was, um, so uh, accounts vary on, on exactly what she pulled out, but um, among the things were, were potentially a pig's bladder, um, a uh, ginger cat, uh, but only its head and its legs or its paws, some eel spine, maybe, and then several pieces of rabbit. She she kind of got all that out of her, her downstairs mix-up. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Whoopsie. Whoopsie's one of the things. Yeah. King George I actually hears about this. I mean, this is a woman in, you know, I I guess the story was was big enough news at the time where he actually sends his personal royal surgeon, Nathaniel St. André, and uh, another surgeon, uh, Syriacus Ehlers. Yeah, André actually, or St. André, I should say, that's the last name. He actually arrived at her house the moment she was giving birth to her 15th rabbit. 
and I, I say giving birth, none of these rabbits ever came out alive. They all came out in pieces, especially. Mm-hmm. This is making me more uncomfortable than I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, it was a lot. It just kept yeah. going. But he absolutely believed her. He walked in, she was pulling rabbit bits out, and he was like, ah, uh, miracle, I guess. Probably not the right word. And... Yeah, he, he wrote this, like, he wrote a book about himself, immediately wrote this book, and and talked about how amazing he was for figuring all this out, and, and he, he reasoned that um, the rabbits were breeding in her fallopian tubes, and that the, the pressure of coming out is what broke them apart and killed them on their way out. Blech. Yeah. But he said that when he would, he uh, you know, used his physician's knowledge he said that he could see that her stomach was pulsating as if something was trying to hop or burrow its way out which is another issue but he also noted that mary was completely calm during all of the these process anytime rabbits were coming out it's not like she was you know screaming giving birth and everything she was just she's pretty calm she would like laugh mm-hmm. at jokes yeah which he did not consider a red flag at all mm-hmm. you know i i guess something to be said for the <laughs> Physicians of royals. Yeah, so she was uh, she was actually given a royal pension for her troubles from King George, and uh, she was eventually taken to London, where she was put under uh, extreme watch, essentially, where all these doctors were around her at all times. But while she was under watch, she didn't push any bunnies out. She she wasn't she wasn't a bunny mother at that time. Interesting. Which, yeah, which they found suspicious. One of the doctors finally said, "Well, we need to figure out what's going on, so let's just cut her open." And when she overheard that, she started breaking down crying. And she's like, no, don't cut me open. I'm just a poor woman. And uh, it, she basically revealed that she had uh, been paying off one of the local porters to smuggle in rabbit bits so that she could shove them up there and get them out later. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she ruined the careers of numerous physicians. Uh, she was jailed, but later released. But I think the really fascinating thing about this story is it's kind of one of the first big tabloid stories mm. it, it this was a time um uh, i was i was reading uh, something about how paris at this time had three newspapers whereas london had 163 goodness gracious so, yeah so this is like kind of one of the first i mean this is this is the maury show this is this is dr phil if she right. had been around th- around this time she would have been on dr phil why are you pushing bunnies out of your bits mary yeah yeah yeah, it's 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 kind of this morbid curiosity that uh, the newspapers really tacked onto, and she became this. I mean, in, in many ways that we you know we do this to people now, she became this weird type of celebrity yeah. who was just there to be mocked. So uh, yeah, she she ended up saying that it was her husband and her mother-in-law who just wanted some extra money and thought that she should pretend to be a, a bunny mom. So so yeah, Mary, Mary Toft, the bunny mother. Oh boy, yeah. There, yeah. there's a very good episode of the Dollop about her. If you are interested in learning more, yes, uh, yes. There's very a very good episode of Lore as well. Yeah. It's episode yeah. forty-five. Episode forty-five. Yeah. So weird, weird people are people are weird, and they do weird things, and yeah. none of it can be explained. She was actually um, kind of interesting. She was playing off of uh, a myth that was held at the time uh, a bl- of. Actually, a doctoral belief. Uh, one of her physicians was actually John Marbury, who wrote the book um, The Female Physician, wherein he actually talks about how pregnant women should avoid, uh, and this is the quote, in, uh, interaction with dogs, squirrels, apes, etc., um, else their child be born with defects that resemble these beasts. Yeah, yes. So yeah, there was a belief that if you like, you know, if you pet a dog your kid's gonna come out with a tail right? that's yeah. yeah so or if a dog barked at you while you're pregnant your baby was gonna be a werewolf werewolf yep and so many werewolves so thank, many werewolves. Thank, thank, thank goodness thank goodness we survived that era of, of werewolves or did we or did we we do we do know that the moon is quite wild the full moon it makes people weird that could be our werewolf genes lunacy mm-hmm. yeah. yes yeah my wife's a nurse she she does confirm that uh 
full moon has it does something oh i'm, I'm i work at a bar i could have told you that oh yeah yeah <laughs> those are the two professions who know best actually my one of my managers just sent me a venn diagram uh and it was knowing when there's a full moon and it was witches doctors bartenders <laughs> <laughs> that's so good <laughs> <laughs> all right oh Okay, so this next, um, I'm going to say that the, this next singleton, it's not necessarily a singleton, in fact, it's probably an entire civilization, maybe. Um, so, so you have your, your choice of, of um, male-female or, or non-binary, or what, however their, their species chooses to, uh, to define themselves. Right. So this story, the story about these uh, these singletons, actually centers around President John Quincy Adams, who was our sixth president of these United States. He served from 1825 to 1829. John Quincy Adams was, of course, the son of John Adams, our second president and uh, first vice president. Uh, John Quincy was a noted diplomat. He was a... Um, well-spoken lawyer. He was an abolitionist. Uh, he served as Secretary of State, Ambassador. Um, he's considered by some historians to actually have had the highest IQ of any president. Wow. I say all of this because everything else I'm going to say makes him sound like a dum-dum. You have to realize that John Quincy Adams was serving at a time when Lewis and Clark had gone to the Pacific Ocean. You know, we, were, we were discovering things about our country and our world we were filling in the blank spaces on the map and he really wanted to to mark his presidency by some sort of great discovery um and actually i say filling in the blank places on maps um which is only from a western perspective considering everywhere we went there were already people there and they got fucked over by by that by that map filling right so yeah that's it's important to say but yeah, so John Quincy, um, his presidency, his actual election was a little weird. Uh, he only won because the House of Representatives uh, basically said, okay, you can be president. He, he ran against Andrew Jackson, who's another horrible, evil piece of shit in our, in our country's history. I'll get to him in a second. Fuck you, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson technically got the popular vote. The electoral vote was tied, mm. but the House thought that Andrew Jackson was a little too... Um, well, a, a little too much of an asshole. So they thought John Quincy Adams would be better. They almost regretted their decision immediately because they thought that he, John Quincy Adams was spineless and too much of a... Basically thought he was a big nerd. They, they thought that having a smart president was bad. Which... <laughs> oh, what's that like? Fuck. Yeah, and, and to, to tackle Andrew Jackson real quick, I mean, he is the only president who actually committed murder and still won the presidency. He killed several men in duels. He decimated indigenous populations. He deserves no place on U.S. currency. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely awful. So all, all this is going on. Uh, John Quincy Adams is trying to search for some way to prove that he, you know, he's a man's man. He, he can explore. He can discover. He can be you know, something more than an academic. So there's a theory that's getting passed around the fringes of the scientific community at this time. It's the, you might have heard of it, the hollow earth theory, mm. um, which says that, uh, at the, this was the theory at the time, that at the, uh, the poles, the North and South Pole, um, are actually um, holes that will allow one to travel to a subterranean world uh, wherein uh, this this group of singletons uh, might exist, might uh, might actually have a civilization and, and flourish uh, within. Which I want to actually send you right now a um, a picture of the Hollow Earth because I think it's fun. And this is actually a map as people understood it of the Hollow Earth, which has I mean country lines and ocean, whole whole bunch of stuff. Ooh. Yeah, so so there's you know the outer crust and there's there's everything within. So you see the north and south pole. There's just basically just drop on in, come on by. There's one man who who was kind of the loudest person in this movement. Uh, it was John Cleve Sims Jr. John Cleve Sims Jr. was an ex-soldier. He was a self-educated scientist, whatever that means, um, and was actually so he's he's kind of a weird historical figure and. This is kind of the time when, if you bring up anybody in history, it's like they're 
there's this weird spider web that connects everybody because the country wasn't that big. So John Cleve Sims Jr. was actually named for John Cleve Sims, who was his uncle, who was the father-in-law of President ben, or, uh, uh, William Henry Harrison. Who was okay. the... Yeah, so, so essentially John Cleve Sims Jr.'s cousin was the first lady uh, in the future, would be the first lady. Okay. Yeah, so there's, there's always like these weird like, oh, my cousin's yeah ambassador my cousin's first lady um and yeah of course my cousin we, doesn't do fucking shit <laughs> yeah i have several cousins they're they're all great but uh, none of them are uh, are talking to presidents <laughs> and of course um notably uh, william henry harrison is the shortest presidency in history we've brought him up before as the president who died from toxic masculinity because he wouldn't wear a coat in the winter got pneumonia and died a month into his presidency so good for him uh so yeah so john cleve sims jr goes to uh john quincy adams and goes hey the earth is hollow there's there's folks down there the united states could be the first ones to create trade with and have an ambassadorship with these these subterranean folk. How would you like that? And John Quincy Adams is like, everything you've said sounds 100% true. I totally believe you. Yes, please, take some tax dollars and do this. Yeah. I guess for, for good or ill, the, the trip never went through. Um, they had planned to travel through Siberia. Uh, and essentially discover the North Pole, which, you know, wouldn't actually happen until 1909 or 1908, depending on whether you think Perry or Cook actually discovered it. But yeah, so so John Quincy Adams tried to allot funds there. Um, Congress blocked that shit immediately. And then uh, he couldn't uh, he couldn't do anything by the time that his first term was over. And he, he lost his second term to Andrew Jackson, who hated science. And uh, it basically... <laughs> slammed the door in, uh, in the face of anybody who, with, like, a book in their hand. And, uh, yeah, so, so the, the expedition never happened. Um, yeah, it, it just, it, as far as we know, that there's no holes to the center of the Earth, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll never really know. Interesting. To his credit, Adams actually would a lot money that would become the Smithsonian. So he, he did do that for science. Let's, we, we can ignore him believing in, in subterranean um, people because he did create this, he essentially created the Smithsonian. So, right. so he gets a pass. We all, we all have at some point believed something stupid. That's absolutely true. Yes, that is, <laughs> that is a good point. Okay, and now we're, we're actually to our, our last singleton, uh, which I should say has been mentioned on this show before. Um, in passing, so okay. so I believe this this creature was mentioned in the first episode. You and Ellie were kind of discussing what a cryptid is and mm. kind of setting the the ground rules. So so this one might sound familiar. Um, this creature is uh, other than its its main name, it's known as the hoo hoo, the nightshade bear, and the devil cat. Mm. Uh, it has been uh, like I said mentioned here. Does before. it live in the Ozarks? It does. <laughs> yeah, this is the Ozark Howler. Um, it, it got mentioned as, as a noted hoax in the first episode, but it didn't get a chance to date, and I think that's not fair to the Ozark Howler, the, the, the lovely, mysterious beast that, uh, that is said to occupy the Ozarks, which, if you don't know, is like a, a mountain range that is kind of in like Arcan- or, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. I almost said Arkansas. I, I, was, I wasn't going to point it out, but I did hear that. <laughs> Yeah, that even though I was I was I was writing it, I was like, "Don't say Arkansas," but nope, there it was. <laughs> I try to offend at least a different state in every episode that I'm in. I've I think I've tacked off um, Florida, Georgia. I I probably offended Ohio, probably. Uh, I think Kentucky was in there in one of my first earlier episodes. So we'll we'll get to you eventually. We'll get all, to all fifty states. Don't worry, Wyoming. I'm coming for you. So yeah, yeah, the Ozark Howler. It's said to physically resemble a bear, kind of at first glance. It's similar in size. It's got the stocky legs with black shaggy hair, but it has horns and glowing red eyes. So its most notable feature is its howl, hence the howler part. Uh, it's said to sound like a combination of a wolf's howl, an elk's bugle, and the cackle of a hyena, which I think is kind of fun. It's like laugh, laugh shouting. 
Could you imagine just like walking through the forest and just hearing uh, just someone who's like, Be <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man, you get it. <laughs> oh shit! I don't know. I've walked through the forest a lot of times, and I'm I'm trying to think back now if that would would scare me or just like anger me. <laughs> Shut up! You ruined the serenity of the forest. I'm sure it's it's probably pretty terrifying, especially if this thing's you know the size of a bear, since bears themselves are pretty terrifying if you see one in the woods. Oh, I would I would really not like it if a bear was laughing at me. <laughs> Shut up, Yogi. Oh man, so some actually believe that um, sightings are, are just misidentified. You know, big cats, cougars, uh, bears, bison. Uh, some people say they might even be escaped hyenas. Which, all right. Sure. Uh, yeah. But th- one of my favorite theories was that this is kind of a carryover from the uh, the British, the UK tradition of, like, hellhounds and black shucks, the, the black dog. Because this thing kind of, it fits that, that version, a large canid creature with glowing eyes and, and maybe horns. I, I think that's, that's kind of a, a fun theory to tack onto it. But of course, the the well-known hoax, which you mentioned uh, in in an earlier episode, was perpetrated by a University of Arca. Uh, there it is again. Oh boy, Arkansas. Why does that? It, it's that it's that video with that woman who's, yeah, who's screaming. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, if this yeah. is pronounced Kansas, why is this not pronounced Arkansas? America, explain, explain. Yeah, that's that's it. That um, apparently that has affected me so. <laughs> Arkansas, University of Arkansas student uh, who sent several emails to numerous people in the uh, biology and cryptozoological field on a bet that he could somehow fool them. Uh, But actually, a lot of people say that even though he had that hoax and everything, there's still been other sightings, and the legend actually goes back uh, well before him, because there's even a tale about uh, Daniel Boone, who, who supposedly shot at the beast. But we'll never know. So those those are our singletons. So we'll kind of go back through here. We have um, uh, the first one was the uh, good old Peggy's monster. Peggy. In, uh, Peggy Thomas and her uh, her sheet over a couple of pine trees with a cow skull. I hope it's called something like Peggy Spook Boy. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, that, that's a better name than what it had, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is the uh, that is the Brooksville monster, oh. which uh, yeah, well, it was in it was in Brooksville, Florida, right. and and Peggy had not yet claimed it. Yes, they absolutely should name it now, like Peggy's Pookum. <laughs> uh, our our second singleton, uh, the Northern Wisconsin, uh, from uh, the town of Rhinelander, is the Hodag. Oh, I've heard of the Hodag. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, this is, it's it's kind of one of those um, He's really kind of famous... big and dopey looking, isn't he? Yeah, supposedly, it's like the size of a large dog. I just sent you the, the most well-known photo, which is all of the the townsfolk kind of poking this pinata, essentially. I mean, it's, it, it's a pinata, which they say it's charred black because of the dynamite. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the they're thing all, is like... obviously made out of paper mache. <laughs> yeah, very clearly. Uh, there actually is a really cool statue of it uh, outside the Chamber of Commerce, and I have that one too, so let's drop that. Uh, it's a lot bigger than it supposedly was, but it's kind of Yeah, like, that's the one I've friendly? seen. Yeah, it's got the horns, the big teeth. Apparently it like, blows smoke out of its nose. It's a really popular tourist uh, destination. Uh, and then uh, Mary Toft, of course, the, the bunny mother, which I have uh, two photos of her. There's one of them, which is just kind of like a, a portrait, uh, which is kind of nice. Um, she is holding rabbits, so it's probably you know something that was in uh, the tabloids. But it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a nice enough portrayal of her. It's much better than the other one, which most certainly was featured in the tabloids. And it features her... yeah. Basically, yeah, lying out with several, at least four rabbits hopping from her, her dress. And then in the corner, there's a man vomiting on her. Yeah. Yeah. So, poor Mary. And she's also being fed something, which is like quite, you shouldn't, I don't think you're supposed to eat while giving birth, right? I don't know. 
Well, I'm pretty sure that she's not. Maybe that's why she gave birth to bunnies. Maybe you that's you. why. Maybe that's yeah. why you're not supposed to eat during labor because your child will turn into whatever you're eating. I'm not sure it's it's necessarily like you you shouldn't. I think it's probably more like you can't because your body is, you know, like ah, there's something coming out of us. Ah, uh, ah. yeah, and uh, also you know to get some more um, birth horror. I mean, you do expel everything else from your body while you're kind of giving yeah. birth. Yeah, so. yeah the, the pressure down there kind of affects everything else. Um, so the uh, the next thing we have, the, the mold people, who um, I have just a, a classic uh, mold person. I was person wondering from... if it was the mold people. Yeah. So this mold person is from the 1965 movie, The Mold People. That's essentially what they were called by... Uh, by, by Sims and, and John Quincy Adams. And yeah, they wanted to establish trade with the, the civilized mole people. So, But they, they never did, so China got there first. Yeah, we really missed know. out on that. We really missed out on all their dirt. I don't know. They probably have, like, cool rocks and stuff. I don't they know. probably have cool rocks and, like, lava yeah. rocks and stuff. And aren't there also supposed to be Germans in the center of the earth as well? Uh, I mean, yeah, the Nazis had to go somewhere, right? They couldn't all go to Argentina. <laughs> I'm pretty sure part of the hollow earth theory is also that like the Germans, the, the, the superior German race lives there. Well, I've also heard that they went to the dark side of the moon. There's, well, there's the movie iron sky, which they uh, probably which split them. up. That's well. Yeah. I mean, just one of them threw a smoke bomb and went scatter. And yeah. Was... Some of them stayed on the surface of the earth. Some of them went to the moon and some of them went to go hang out with the mole people. And I would hope that the mole people would not have tolerated their ideology and expelled them. You would hope. You would hope. Yeah. Because if not, then that severely lessens the mole people in my... It does. We don't want to, we don't want to trade with, with you hateful mole people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I actually do really like mole people. I've always had an affinity for mole people. I like the dark. I like caves. What is that? That is oh sorry I, I was I was gonna let you talk uh, that I, I'm I'm posting the Ozark Howler there's two Ozark okay. Howler photos so that so the first one kind of looks like a German Shepherd with horns yeah uh, that's a photo apparently of the Ozark Howler and nice. then there's the much scarier uh, very Beauty and the Beast looking actually yeah uh, drawing of the Ozark Howler but, yeah but yes so continue the first you love one the first one looks like a dog uh, yes <laughs> yeah it, it's a dog. It's a dog with horns on it. It's like from the Grinch who stole Christmas when the Grinch <laughs> put the antlers it's on Max. his dog, Max. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's like anytime you see those photos where somebody's like, it's a chupacabra. It's like, no, it's a shaved chihuahua. Yeah. Um, the second that. one is is uncomfortably sexy. <laughs> oh, you into that? It's He's big and he's like, yeah. he's weird. He has a human face, but then he's like, Hunched. He kind of looks. You know what he looks like? What's that? Um, in Mass Effect, the the Hanar. Oh yeah. He looks. Yeah, like I can a see Hanar. that. Yeah. Um. See, I was definitely thinking Beauty and the Beast because even you know Beast has those horns. Like if he stood up straight. Yes, his face that's... looks a hundred percent like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Not the Hanar. He looks like a hairy Hanar. What's the other one in Mass Effect that's like timid excitement? Hello, human. Ooh, first uh, first thing on Google was the correct alien sex choices in the Mass Effect trilogy. What up? <laughs> I don't think they're correct choices. This this article will disagree. All the choices are valid. He looks like a hairy Elcor. Okay. He looks like a hairy Elcor with beast face from Beauty and the Beast. Because he's like buff and he has that same like sloped back that they have. Oh yeah, they get that home. Where, yeah, it's just really, like, no neck, so it's, like, the hump, and then the neck is kind of, like, the head is positioned in the center of the the front, mm-hmm. and then it's just a straight back. His humps, his humps, his lovely Ozark collar humps. Yeah. Um, but I do like mole people. I do, I've always had an affinity for mole people. I do like Peggy's spooky boy. But I think I'm going to go with the mole people. I think I would go on a date if I got to visit the center of the earth, of our hollow earth, and I got to see their cool sun that they have down there. And they also have a continent or something. Yeah. Um, I yeah think, they probably that... have, like, cities made of, like, crystal. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like Godzilla, doesn't he pass through every now and again to get to places super fast? So that might be full, cool to, like, see Godzilla doing a little day trip. That's what they say in the new movies is he, he travels through the hollow earth, which they just really... 
I mean, they they rushed past that. Yeah, they did thing. really. They're like, also, I've I've known this for years, but there's a hollow earth, and I'm pretty sure that's how Godzilla travels around so fast. So it's it's the highway for kaiju. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the mole people. Cool. Well, you have an entire civilization, and who knows what it's like. Maybe they're like really super cool down there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if if you look at any of the theories about uh, what the inside of the earth is like, they got like tons of metal, probably like some molten shit. There's um. Oh, there was that one movie where they had to go, like, into the center of the earth and restart the core. Yeah, I think it's like called, an, is it? The core. The core, yeah. Yeah, but there's that scene where, like, every, there's an entire layer that's just crystal. So they, they probably got, like, some tool, some cool gems and rocks and yeah, shit. Yeah, get some cool jewelry. Hopefully it's not just, like, here's my dirt pile. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would be happy to see their dirt pile. That's fair. Okay. All right. Well, hey, mole people. Not and not to not to say mole men because we're it could be it could be any type of mole person. Yeah, mole folks. Mole folks. <laughs> there you go. Which hey, you you played a mole uh, in our in our Heroes of Red Bull game, so that I kind did. Of fits. I do you like did. moles. I do like a little moles. murder mole. All right. Well, well. Um, I. I want to thank my sources. Yeah. Um, I want to thank the Museum of Hoaxes at hoaxes.org for the Brooksville monster. Uh, the Smithsonian actually had a a really cool article on uh, John Quincy Adams and the Mole Men. Uh, Mary Toft, uh, I used an article from the Paris Review, as well as the uh, lore episode uh, 45, which discusses her. Uh, ExploreRhinelander.com has an entire page donated to the uh, designated for the Hodag. And uh, CryptidWiki was uh, really useful for the Ozark Howler. Mm. Awesome. Well, uh, and we have some other thank yous. We have thank you to Richard, our super producer, who does all the editing for our show. Thanks, thank Richard. you, of course, to the Nerdsmith Network. They host us, they love us, and they have other amazing, great shows, so definitely check them out. Our music is by Alexander Geisler. You can find him at Cherboye, uh, which is, I'll just, you know what, I'm just going to write it in the show notes. I'm not going to spell it. Okay. <laughs> but he did. I was going to spell it somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, Cherboye, uh, he did our music. It's super good, very spooky, very sexy. As always, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us. Reviews are super important. We don't do any type of advertising, so, you know, we rely on word of mouth. And I do always love when people message me saying that they were recommended our podcast and are this many episodes in and are loving it. If you post a review... I'll read it on air. We don't have any new reviews, but if you if you do one, I'll I'll read it. So that's fun. Always tweet us your monster crush at monster crushing and tell us what you thought of this week's episode, who you would date, or any other of your sexy faves that we haven't talked about yet. And as always, stay stay confused, stay spooked, and stay critical. Ooh, yeah. Because you don't want to fall in love with Peggy's spooky boy. <laughs> Peggy Thomas's spooky boy. Just to find out that it was Peggy all along. But then again, maybe you've never felt this way for a woman before. And <laughs> this, this is how Peggy found love. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much. Good luck. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.